Please listen carefully. And now, live from the attic that smells like a basement in McKinney, Texas, it's the Assuming Positions Podcast, featuring four left feet performing a tango of trivia, Kevin and Mikey. Hey everybody, welcome to the Assuming Positions Podcast. Kevin over here. And Mikey over here. And today on the podcast, we're having another eight slice extravaganza. (laughs) (laughs) What's an eight slice extravaganza? So we like to do pizza ratings here at the Assuming Positions Podcast. Who doesn't Um, love pizza? And uh, that is our rating system. Much like thumbs or stars or points. We do pizza slices. Yes. Full's pizza is eight slices in our thing. So if something gets eight slices of pizza, a movie, a show, whatever, it means we love it. So the eight slice extravaganza is where we come to you with things that are just eight slices, things that we love. It's a little insight into who we are and how our brains work. There you go. Um, Because, you know, everyone has different things that they like a lot, especially like pizzas. You know, you can argue over pizzas all day long. Yeah, yeah, which toppings you like, yeah, exactly. where you get it from, Domino's versus Papa John's and right. all that stuff. Exactly. So this is a little insight into us, uh, and it's fun, and we get to talk about the stuff we love. We've done it before with movies and books and TV shows and every such thing. But this time, because we just recently did a Build the Band podcast, yes. which got a lot of listeners, hi guys, who like that thing, we think, okay, we'll do more music stuff. We're kind of scared to do music stuff because... We can't really play the music on here. Well, we could, but we'd have to pay somebody probably if they wanted to get paid. I don't have or that kind go of with scratch. A, or go to a lawyer with fair use stuff. I don't know. Anyway, if there, if one of you is like, a, like some kind of attorney out there and can help us out with that, let us know. There you go. Yeah, but anyway, so you guys might have to like hit up uh, YouTubes or Spotify's to uh, figure out what we're talking about sometimes. But hopefully we'll talk about it enough that you'll get curious and you'll want to go listen to what we're talking about. That's the whole point. It's like a recommendation. Yeah. So the fun things here that we're going to be doing is we're t- we try to steer away from things that are obviously eight slices for everybody across the board. Yeah, we're nerds first and foremost, so these are our nerdy personal eight slices mm-hmm. rather than, I mean, any sort of given like, oh, everybody loves this. Yeah, so when we were doing the movies, we're like, you know, you're not going to go ahead and just put like Star Wars, eight slices. The, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, everyone knows that's any classic uh, movie. You just can't come up with there and be, yeah, duh. There you go. Um, but this is more fun because like we like our producer, not Scott. I'm not picking on him, but. Not everyone gives Buckaroo Banzai, the movie, eight slices. But if you want to go hear us discuss it, you can go back yeah. to our, our reassumption on Buckaroo Banzai. But, he but does, yes, you're right. He does. And then that says something about his tastes in pizzas. Absolutely. <laughs> Pizza not, ratings. Not everybody, for me, not everybody gives eight slices to Fifth Element, but that gets eight slices every day. Yeah, when movie talk. Exactly. So this is the, uh, these are our uh, pineapple pizzas of, you know, they might be controversial. Now you're picking on me because yeah, of my so. pizza toppings. Well, no, a lot of people <laughs> like pineapple pizzas. I just found out hanging out with my cousin, she likes pineapple pizzas a lot too. I like your cousin. So she actually claims to have gotten a pizza place to put it on their menu because she would order it. It wasn't on the menu, but she would order it so much because they had pineapples there because I think they make mixed drinks that have pineapple in it. There you go. 
and therefore now it is on menu. That's a boss move. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so music edition, Mikey, how are we structuring this music edition? What are we presenting to them today? Uh, we like our restrictions. We like our sort of breakdowns and classifications. So the rules for this thought experiment, if you would like to play along, is we are picking three things. We are picking a favorite band or artist, a favorite album, and a favorite song. But caveat, there's no overlap. Mm -hmm. So if you pick something for a favorite artist, you can't pick that al an album from that artist, mm -hmm. and you can't pick a song from that artist. Yep. So uh, different selections for each of the categories. Exactly. Because otherwise it would just be the same thing over and over again. Yeah, like this band that does this album and this song. <laughs> Done. The end. Podcast Best. over. Best 10 minutes of your life. That's it. That's easy. Yeah. We were like, a little restriction makes for more creativity. Too easy. Uh, so uh, we decided to go big to small. So we're going to start with our bands. Yes. And if you are listeners to our <laughs> podcast at all, you probably know what this is already. But we've never talked about it in depth. And we're going to do that now, probably. So if you know what we're going to say... Then give yourself a little star and put it on your head because you know us well and you're a fan of ours. Thank you. That's it. We love you. And it's part of being a nerd. You got to nerd about nerd out about the things you love. So Mikey always goes first because he has this coin that he goes heads and then he and it's always heads and then he shoves it in his pocket and then he won't let me look at it because it's not a double headed coin. Don't yeah. don't ask those questions. Uh -huh, uh huh. And then he goes he goes come on and get it. <laughs> you gonna come get it? I know. <laughs> but it did come up heads and I called heads. So guess what? I get to go first again. So, Mikey, the band that is eight slices for you. I've said it before on the podcast. It's Smashing Pumpkins. Yes. Um, Insert Smashing Pumpkins song music here. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Guitar riffs, solos. If you made me in charge of picking the sound selection that would go under this rant about them, it, I'd be busy for a week because <laughs> there's so many to choose from. Um, but the Smashing Pumpkins are a band. They formed in the 80s, but they are a 90s band. They came mm -hmm. up in the same generation as Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, Stone Temple Pilots. Mm -hmm. When they first came out, they got compared to Jane's Addiction, which at first I read that and I was like, eh, mm -hmm. but it kind of makes sense mm -hmm. when you look at the scope of their career. Yeah. But Smashing Pumpkins is my favorite band. It was one of the first CDs I bought with my own money, and it is the band that I've seen the most times in concert. Mm -hmm. So that was the main factor for yeah, me. That's a level of commitment right there. There you go. For sure. But I think it's an unusual pick because at least in the overall zeitgeist of popular music, I think Smashing Pumpkins falls into the either you hate it or you love it category. I would 100% agree. As being someone's, you were younger in the 90s than I was. You yes. were a kid, but I was like the target demographic Absolutely. for grunge. I was a... Flannel wearing, jean jort wearing, <laughs> Doc Martens, uh, yeah, high school, college kid. Yep. So, um, I was the one who was supposed to be going to those concerts early on when they were running around. And and you're right, they uh, they are well known, mm -hmm. um, very successful band. But I would say, like, they are. I wouldn't call it controversial because that's like saying that they've done something wrong. But yes. I would say that yes, they are. Uh, they do a lot of. Uh, they're very musical. I think is when that, that sounds weird to say a band is musical, but they lean towards music nerdy. Yes, I think, and less towards poppy. And I think there's stuff that got successful just did because it wasn't like how some bands are like, let's make this a hit. Yes, and so they put all these elements in that they know, and we know if and I know you've had problems with some modern 
groups who actually will put it into a computer and algorithmically figure out. Let's get it on the ri- yeah. yeah let's get it on the radio. What's going to get on the radio? But I think that with Smashing Pumpkins, they're just music nerds doing music, and I think a lot of the stuff just got elevated because it was so good. As and- a stan, I will support that because like. That was the whole thing. They were doing what their contemporaries were doing, but I think adding a little bit extra, making a little bit more theatric, making yes. it a little bit more weird. Yes. Uh, in terms of lyrics, they make it a little bit more poetic. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily like, oh, girl broke my heart and I have to get her back. It's more like, this mermaid from the sea took my soul and now I have to travel the world to get it back. Like mm-hmm. that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's, it is a little silly. It is a little cheesy. And like Billy Corgan, the main front man of Smashing Pumpkins, uh, his voice is not for everybody. No. Like, that is, I would say, the main argument when it comes to Smashing Pumpkins. Right. But he knows it. He's mentioned it. And that's kind of the reason I love it, is he knows he knows what he's working with, mm-hmm. and he works with it really well. Uh, there is some, like, I could go on a, a different tangent if you want to have an argument with me about it, that he sort of gave that up in later career Smashing Pumpkins. But... Still, he has his own unique voice, and he uses it as its own instrument to its advantage. So mm-hmm. I'm all about that. But they were doing things nobody else did. Like, their first album, Siamese Dream, huge success. Yeah, uh, It would have been, if we if we could pick the same thing for all these categories that we're doing today, Siamese Dream, top to bottom, is a masterpiece. All killer, no filler. Like, flawless. Mm-hmm. There is not a bad note, bad anything about that album, in my opinion. <laughs> in your opinion. But it, that's where a lot of their radio singles come from. Like, that's the Today song with the Ice Cream Truck music video that people are familiar with. That's Cher Brock. There's a lot of hits in there. But then they followed it up with something that this was my first experience with, but they followed it up with an album called Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. Yep. And that was a double album. Double album. What rock band in the 90s do you know that put out a double album? Like, that sounds like Van Halen stuff. Like, that sounds mm, yeah. like... Yeah, there, and you tell me since you're more of a stan, like you said, but but a lot of that, like the Mermaid stuff and the double album stuff, that like harkens back to those like '70s groups, and you know, the, where they're like doing songs about the Hobbit. That's it, and stuff. Yeah, Led Zeppelin, Led Zeppelin, yep. yeah, stuff like that. Is is that a major influence of them? Uh, they were very big on prog bands. Yeah, like, prog and, bands. That's what and psychedelia, you know. like that's right. that's what he grew. That's what. Billy Corgan in interviews has said stated that he grew up on. Mm, okay. They're from Chicago, so they aren't like a Los Angeles or a New York band. Like mm-hmm. they are sort of Midwest, like let's get a little weird, you know, in the wintertime kind of stuff. But that's that absolutely psychedelia, prog rock, that's influenced them. And then they just added it to grunge, which is a perfect combination in mm-hmm. my opinion. Yeah, no, it is. But Smashing Pumpkins for me, it's Billy Corgan, it's James Eha, Jimmy Chamberlain, and Darcy Retsky is the original founding member, but uh, they were a typical 90s band in that they had a bunch of lineup changes because of drugs and mm-hmm. it, conflict and inner struggle like mm-hmm. all good bands should have. <laughs> but Billy Corgan, I've mentioned on an earlier podcast, was one of the reasons I started playing guitar because he was so innovative on guitar for being in that grunge scene. But I have to point out Jimmy Chamberlain as their drummer because I think that's the secret sauce in the Smashing Pumpkins. If, you go, if you're not a fan and you want to go check them out, that's what you should listen for because he was a jazz drummer. And he was sort of a nerd, and it when he came into the band, he sort of upended all what they were supposed to be because they started out as like a cure sort of Joy Division, like new wave, just oh, goth band. Yeah, like they almost were another. Bauhaus. I could see that. Yeah, and that's 
kind of how they started out. Mm. But then this jazz drummer comes in. He's wearing like uh, Hawaiian shorts and like Hawaiian board shorts and just nappy haircut. And he's like, "Oh, I play jazz. Let me let me put some jazz onto your uh, new wave beats." And it comes out that's the sound they evolved into. And he's just one of the. It's just a secret weapon in the Smashing Pumpkins. So just mm. a shout out to Jimmy Chamberlain for that. I can see where that kind of gothy stuff still is there because for me like and people are so sick of me saying it but too bad it's what happened yep so i was in art school in the 90s and it and goth was like one of the main archetypes absolutely that was there i mean that was just the 90s anyway but then art school really kind of turns that up to 11 whereas in the i guess from talking to the professors in the 80s that art school was full of punks Yep. And the 90s was full of goths. I believe it. And Smashing Pumpkins was was bigger, I think, than it was in a lot of other parts of the country because of that, because of that kind of goth leaning that, you know, Billy Corgan would do his, like, pale face and black clothes. and He had an know. iconic look. He yeah. had the zero T-shirt with the right. star, the silver pants, and the bald head. Yeah. Like, nobody's done that since. Yeah. It, it's him. It's very... I guess that music nerd, they're very art school Absolutely. is what they are. Mm-hmm. They they would, all, all anyone who, whatever the lineup was, anyone who was in Pumpkins would have fit right in sitting at the little cafe across from the Preston Hall <laughs> eating bagels and coffee. Yes, they had bagels in Savannah, Georgia, and they were damn good, too. Wait, you had a Preston Hall in Georgia? Because yeah. I think I had a Preston Hall when I was going in Texas. That's pretty Where, interesting. Um, I don't know. Maybe there's some southern guy named Preston who did a lot of things. <laughs> it's probably some guy who had a statue that got pulled down. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, Smashing Pumpkins. We're talking about, and this is not just a band that I love that's faded into the wayside. They're still going. Mm-hmm. They've had lineup changes, like I've said. They've had their whole uh, disputes and breakups and getting back together. But they've put out 11 albums over 29 years. Wow. So regardless of whether you like them or not, a band that can sustain for 29 years, that it's a reflection of their quality mm-hmm. and their, mm-hmm. their, the power to sustain. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can have, again, further niche discussions about you know the quality of their albums in later careers, but I'm still on board. They're still doing awesome things. Yeah. They've had offshoots and solo careers and side bands, and they still come back to the original Smashing Pumpkins and always deliver. So Smashing Pumpkins, favorite band for me. It, the most expensive ticket I've ever bought for a concert was $110 each to go see them at Deep Ellum Live. Oh, yeah, a, a room that holds only eight hundred people, and oh. I was second row. Oh, one of my nice. favorite concerts ever. You're, yeah, and I know you're like a twenty dollar ticket guy. That's it. If it's more than twenty bucks, I I, yeah. I start to get a little yeah. grumpy about it. Yeah. So yeah, I I like pumpkins too. Bullet with butterfly wings is one of my favorite things ever, and that's the classic. He does that prog rock track naming thing. Absolutely. He never says bullet with butterfly wings at that song ever. Nope. It's not in the song ever. It's it's the it's the title theme. But yeah, yeah. It's it's funny because that that is so prog rock. And uh, it, one more trivia: they were on The Simpsons. I don't think many other yeah. bands can say that credit. So. Oh, and when he was a kid, he did um, a Star Wars. He did. Have you seen that video of him as a kid in his basement recreating Star Wars scenes mm-hmm. on the Millennium Falcon? Yeah, he's, yeah. He's such a nerd. That's what's great. Come on. So I, I can't not. I see him in interviews sometimes, and a lot of people. That's what he said. A lot of people don't like him because the way he can come across sometimes. Yep. But I've seen this other th- stuff. If you get into it, you can see the other things that he's done. And I think a lot, a lot of his is 
he's having fun, like with the interviewers and stuff. Absolutely. I think, I think there's a lot of performance art and that the, goes on. And in the there. Gen X sort of, yeah. Yeah, like, well, yeah, that's I'm the thing too. He is so just, I don't know. I think that it's weird. Well, I'm going to sound like Burt Kreischer <laughs> over here, but I think me and Billy Corgan would be best friends. Oh, I wouldn't. Uh, I, I've I, shook, I shook his hand once, but I don't know what I would do if I ever yeah. had to like sit down and have tea with him now because he has a tea see. shop because he's that oh. kind of art school kid. But see, that's the thing is you you you're you're too much of a stand. You'd get all sweaty and stuff. I think I'd be able to hang with the dude. There you go. <laughs> yeah, We'd be best. I'm going to Facetime him right now. Oh, I'd probably pass out. <laughs> oh man. They're great. I really, I really enjoyed a lot of their stuff. And still going, so you know we got eleven albums to go through. Go check them out. All right. So for me, my favorite band is also obvious too. If you've listened to the podcast, but I've never talked about them at length. And I just like Mikey with minimal notes. I can just rattle off stuff. <laughs> and it, this is kind of a weird one because, I mean, this band was so huge, and across they weren't a one hit wonder either. They had multiple hits across multiple albums. Mm-hmm. But then when you ask people about them, they're like, hey. But then you mention the songs and they're like, oh. Yes. So it's weird. It's a weird place that they're in. I don't know how to explain it. But anyway. For being as omnipresent as they were for a large chunk of time, they are sort of like, you have to remind people that they were around. Yeah. It's weird. Because that usually happens with one hit wonders. But there you go. That's not what this was. Anyway, the band is the band Live. And I think that's their problem. Their name is Live. I was going to make this comment. They're the hardest band to Google. Yeah. Because you, you have to like add a whole bunch of keywords. You yes. can't just say live. Yeah. Usually with, there's usually pluses on each end if you really want to find it. Plus okay. live plus. There you go. That's how they kind of do their logo. That's smart. So they are a 90s band that came up during the grunge era when they were looking for this kind of stuff. But also, like how Pumpkins are from Chicago, they're not from Seattle or where they were looking, Pacific Northwest. Mm-hmm. Uh, live's from York, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Which is so strange to me. But that's where they came from. And they, they're kind of, I've always called them East Coast grunge. Mm-hmm. Um, they're more influenced by, like your, like the Pumpkins are influenced by Led Zeppelin and prog rock stuff. Live is more influenced by that East Coast alt-rock movement, which was led by R.E.M. Ah, that makes sense. And if you hear live stuff, you can kind of hear, especially their early stuff, you can hear that REM influence a lot Mm -hmm. in there. These four guys, Ed Kowalczyk, Chad Taylor, Chad Gracie, and Patrick Dahmer, are all high school friends. They were all friends in school. They formed a band, and they've been together ever since, except for a small little part where they broke up. But As all good 90s bands do. But they got back together. (laughs) Um, So... They started in the eighties as kids, but they like they are a nineties band for sure. Their first real hit was actually off of their mental jewelry. It was called Operation Spirit. It's their first album that first started getting traction and attention, and it was mostly on the East Coast that that was known. Um, but you know, we got stuff like Nirvana's hitting and and slaying the dragon of pop and hair metal, and all these record companies are looking around. Yes. For like, what? What's the next big yeah, thing? What? And so they thankfully got swept up in that of like, oh, hey, we're looking for rock bands that can do stuff. So did they, like, how, like, how did they first start out? Did they win the battle of the bands or like they played a show and a record executive was like, I want to sign you to a label. Yeah, I'm going to be your manager. They actually were in a talent show in the 80s, which they lost <laughs> apparently. But um, they had various different names. Their name before live well, the, the, I have a whole list of their names here. Action Front, 
Love it. Paisley Blues. Uh, okay. Club Fungus. Oh, that's like a Primus. <laughs> that's very 90s. Um, and Public Affection was their name before it was live. No PDA. We don't like public displays of affection. Public affection. But <laughs> uh, apparently, um, as Public Affection, they went into the studio to record uh, four tracks, and they recorded it with Jerry Harrison of the Talking Heads. Oh, awesome. And somewhere in there, they changed their name to live. It makes me wonder if the Talking Heads guy was like, Public affection, really? <laughs> you, know? no, you guys are live, live yeah. and on fire. <laughs> so that's the, they made an EP called Four Songs, which had four songs on it. Operation Spirit was one of them that ended up on Mental Jewelry that hit the modern rock tracks and got them noticed, okay. which allowed them to do Mental Jewelry. Um, they started having some success. Um, They're touring around, they're uh, playing various, I think they played Woodstock 94. And their album that they were promoting at the time was this album called Throwing Copper, their second album. Yes. And if you don't know what the cover of Throwing Copper looks like, you will when you see it, you'll be like, oh, I know that cover. It's it's an iconic album cover. It's burned into my brain. It's like a melted Renaissance painting. Yeah. It's like a, it's with the, a priest on it and stuff. It's really funny. The thing about live is that their music is so... Ed Kowalczyk, who's their lead singer and writes most of the lyrics... Mm-hmm. He is super into spirituality, like all types. Yes. He just loves reading it, eating it. I I, I never know with this guy what, what religion he is or what he believes because he references Hinduism and Buddhism and Christianity and Islam and everything. He had that, he had that long bald head but with the long braid in the back, yeah. like Harry Krishna type yeah. stuff. Yeah, just all this stuff, and he references it and puts it into his lyrics, and the lyrics are mysterious, and you don't really know what he's talking about half the time, but it's got this this track. And the thing I've said about live is the thing that grabs me that I love about them is their back end. You're, you got Chad Gracie on the drums, Patrick Dahmer on the bass. Mm-hmm. If you're a bassist at all, uh, he shows up all the time, and like back when they had bass guitar-specific magazines, you know, <laughs> there you go, yeah. he shows up all the time in there. He's an extraordinary bassist. And the two of them just lay down this. It's kind of this like it's not just rock. They have a lot of funk elements into it mm-hmm. and a lot of blues elements into it. And it's just this crazy mix. And the thing is, is that these these were all like self-taught kids. They weren't in school band together. Um, but that like they like, didn't go to college for music no, or anything like they, that. They just came straight out. They were like 19 year olds when their first album dropped, I think awesome and so there's so much going on on the back end just to lay it down and then ed has such a like rock god voice Mm -hmm. that kind of screechy that you know it's like listen they're my favorite band i love ed kowalczyk and i love his singing so much he's not chris cornell you know (laughs) he you know you might want to you might call him like a great value chris cornell there you go and no offense to him but chris cornell is great yeah but he he gets close. He can he can do he can pull off a lot of crazy things with his voice that would make me go hoarse. Well, you said REM earlier that like he does have that Michael Stipeness where he puts a lot of emotion into his vocals, right. and you wouldn't necessarily expect it because right. like the vo- like the verses will be low key, but then he belts out that chorus, and you're like, oh damn. So if you know live at all, it is the stuff off of Throwing Copper. Throwing Copper went crazy platinum. Yep, it had like multiple number ones on the modern rock. So uh, everyone knows Lightning Crashes, of course. That was number one in the U.S. forever. And then also Selling the Drama was also number one. 
All Over You got to number four. I Alone got to number six. Uh, they, that album is just, that is like Siamese Dream. Yes. Front to back, that album. There's not a bad song on that album at all. So it was... Uh, and it has a hidden track. <laughs> oh, that... I, I don't know. I, I guess with Spotify and streaming, you can't really get away with that anymore, but that was such a cool thing in the 90s. Like, so buy big. a CD and you get an extra song at the end. You're like, oh, I know about yeah. it. Uh, was Throwing Copper the album you got into them with, or were you, like, on board from Jump? Uh, well, yeah, I have to say that I was not... I'm, I can't claim early adoption there you go. with live. I was swept up in the grunge movement, um, I remember seeing the first Smells Like Teen Spirit Nirvana video and my head exploded literally <laughs> and I was like, what's going on here? Some people have once said that, that like, that's not real. That didn't happen. I'll, no, that happened. Yes. You can watch Beato talk about the first time he heard it too. <laughs> no, seriously. I believe it. I was, I was like, what's going on? It changed. It really, really changed everything single-handedly. And then as such, you know, this stuff started coming in here so yeah it was probably i i remember throwing copper first and then i remember being like loving this band more than any of the others mm-hmm. and being what else are they oh they have an earlier album that's the best mental jewelry mm-hmm. i went and got that oh i love this just as much then i got so i got so into them man just like with pumpkins i've seen them so many times mm-hmm. in concert over seven times in concert i've gone so far as they're huge in australia so I've gotten Australian released CDs nice. because there's extra tracks and bonus things on there. I've I scoured and found Death of a Dictionary, which is one of their like early demo things. I don't think it's legal, oh, but I have. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, um, Thanks, yeah. Napster. I mean, uh, no. Yeah, I think that's might have been where it came from <laughs> originally, but no, I love these guys so much. They're just the and like I said. They were huge. I mean, they were in like 94, 95. They were voted by the readers of Rolling Stone as the best band. I believe it. They're on the cover. I mean, it's just like they were huge. And then Secret Samadhi came out, which mm-hmm. Brad called Secret Somebody, which is hilarious. That was their follow-up album. That did that did huge, too. That hit number one on Multi-Platinum, had some hits off of it. And then it was just like, I guess the movement kind of waned. The grunge movement kind of waned. And they kept doing stuff. They kept putting out albums. I think for me, I the last one I remember is "Distance to Hear." Distance to Hear, and okay. that had hits off of it too. That the, that's where the I dolphin kind of, song, as yeah, people call it. I love it. <laughs> yeah, that again. Yes, they they had three albums that were really big, mm-hmm. and to me, that's success in a band. Uh, and then they did five. They did uh, the uh, Tales from the Black Mountain. One of their albums, I think it's five came out right before 9-11 and he had a piano song on it okay. called Overcome which was really melancholy and someone on the early internet was YouTube around in 2001? Jeez, I don't even know. Not in anyway, yeah. someone took like footage of the aftermath of 9-11 and put their song under it as a bed. Oh wow. And it like kind of reinvigorated their success which is weird that such a tragedy could, you know, but it's the, it speaks to the power of the song, though. So, yeah, Overcome is a song that'll make you freaking cry. Um, and they always would do it at the end of concerts because it's so melancholy. And it's just Ed and the piano, and it's slow and makes you, make you gotta cry. Gotta, gotta get the crowd together, yeah. Make them all feel something. So, yeah. But, man, they had a breakup at some point in the early 2000s. 
and it was devastating for me as a live fan. <laughs> it really was. I believe it. Um, because I was like, what? Because, you know, the the good thing about your band not being super huge is that you can afford the ticket when yeah, they can. come through. Absolutely. Right? <laughs> Absolutely. And as such, you know, it's it's like they I could see them, and then they break up, and I'm like, I can't see them anymore. And then they got this guy, Chris Shin, uh, as a... Had to do the vocals because Ed left. The lead um, singer Ed left. Gotcha. And so the other three guys kept going as live with a different singer, though. Yeah, who wasn't Ed? That it was terrible. I believe it. I never went and saw them. I did go see Ed by himself because he was still Ed. <laughs> but the band was terrible. The, the without Chad Gracie and Patrick Dahmer, they didn't sound right. They sounded wrong playing the live song. So the, they need to be together. But then thankfully. They find, they got back together because they literally, they were in York, I think it was Ed or one of them. So you got Chad Taylor's the guitarist and Ed Kowalczyk is the lead singer. And the two guys are kind of the co-leads, mm-hmm. the co-leaders. And they were the ones who were kind of feuding. I think the poor bass player and drummer were sitting there going like, come on, guys. Yeah, we're brothers. Stop fighting. <laughs> but some mutual friend basically like was like, what are you guys doing? Why are you fighting? There you go. And they're like, oh, why are we fighting? He's like, I'm going to get you guys together and we're going to have a beer. And it was like literally over a beer. That's awesome. Through a friend was like, you guys love each other. You need to stop it. <laughs> and then they got back together. And continued with the rocking. Huzzah. So I love life so much. Their songs are so good. You said your best thing was paying those expensive tickets. Yep. My best thing was actually winning something one once in my life. Nice. So I don't know if you remember the Gypsy Tea Room, which was a great venue in Dallas in Deep Ellum. Down, down the street from where I saw the pumpkins right. at Deep Ellum Live. It's yes. no longer there, sadly. Yep. But it was a tiny venue, um, and they were doing some kind of promotion. I forget what it was for, but it was like there would be like five bands all around the country playing at the same time. Okay. And you could, like, they were all being, it was like an early live stream thing, I think. Nice. Um, I don't ask me what the other bands were, but all I know is that you couldn't buy tickets. It was an apply for tickets. It was like enter to win. Oh, gotcha. Live was the one here at the Gypsy Tea Room. Mm -hmm. So I applied and I freaking won, dude. Yeah, buddy. The Gypsy Tea Room was tiny. So I was, and there's no seats there. So I was literally like, Standing, like I could smell them. They were right there. That's the best. It was awesome. <laughs> it was awesome. I do have to give an audience note, though, because I did, did just realize, but Kevin is wearing his live T-shirt to commemorate his band, but I also wore my Smashing yes! Pumpkins T-shirt. Yes! Woo! Oh, but no, those like those concerts are so formative. Like You being right there where you can almost touch them, I was second row for Smashing Pumpkins. I was getting sweated on. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the whole experience, and that absolutely makes, your for your favorite band, be like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. they're here. They're in front yeah. of me. So, you know, hopefully once all this pandy stuff clears up, they're going to run through again, so I'll be able to see because I haven't seen them since they got back together. Oh, okay. But they did do a super cool New Year's surprise concert that they live-streamed after they got back together. Nice. That I totally went and found and watched. <laughs> Any news of an upcoming album? Are they in? Are, I guess with the pandemic, everything sort of slowed down. But yeah, they just um, in October of last year. No, mm-hmm. before that, what was it? 18, 2018, I think. They released an EP called Local Seven One Seven. Okay, it has just a few tracks on it. Love Lounge is one of them. There, there's, I think that's the one. There's one that the, there's one that sounds like 
if if you run an arena, you need to play the song. You know, to get the crowd hyped up, you need to play that. Oh, that's a high energy song. It's yeah, a yeah. high energy song. They do their they're they're part of the uh, a lot of the grunge stuff was loud, quiet, loud, quiet. Mm-hmm. They're totally part of that. <laughs> loud, quiet, loud, quiet. It was of the time. Yeah, very of the time. But yes, live. Go see them. Go see them live. Yeah. Try and Google them. It's on you it's to on, figure out yes. if you can find them. Yeah, the, obviously, band made before internet. Exactly. That's what it is, really. That's why you got to come up with the weird word band names, but the all, yeah. live is all time. I, I, I totally support that eight slice extravaganza. Yeah. For what's, your, what's, your favorite, what's your favorite tune of theirs? I gave you a bullet. Uh, Pain Lies on the Riverside. Oh, yeah. That's a great one. Yep. That has a crazy bass line on it, too. That's it. That's great. Yeah. I love them all so much I can't pick. Though Secret Samadhi is probably my favorite album front to back. That one's really dark. Lakini's Juice is one of my yeah. favorite guitar riffs ever, yeah. so I'm with you. It's hardcore. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, but then also, like, Distance to Hear, I put so many of those songs on mixtapes for girlfriends back in the day. Right. So they have they, they run the gamut. I, can, right. I love it. Yeah. But we, I can't pick that album, <laughs> and you can't pick Siamese Dream or I, I Melancholy can. and the Infinite Sadness. You have to pick something else. That's it. So what did you pick as uh, your Eight Slice album? My Eight Slice album is a, is a weird one, but this is one. this is the one I will... Say, if you're going to pause our podcast and go Google something to listen to, go listen to this album because it is nothing but a good time. And it is the band Presidents of the United States of America. But it is the album Love Everybody. Oh. So Presidents of the United States of America were maybe a two-hit wonder, I guess, if you want to argue it that way. Lump. Yep. And peaches. Lump and peaches. That's what everybody knows. Moving to the country, going to eat me a lot of peaches. And that's all we can say. Mm -hmm. But that's what everybody knows them for, and I love those songs, and they're great. But uh, go two albums past that, because technically that was their second album. Mm-hmm. They have a whole bunch of albums, so they actually had a longer career than I would say most people know about. But Love Everybody is power pop perfection. So if you love Weezer, if you love Bowling for Soup, if Ooh. you love Devo, if you love Cake, if you love the B-52s, if you love that sort of weird, quirky, just high-energy, good-time, like... Not really singing about heartbreak, not really mm-hmm. singing about the world going, you know, going to crap. It's just happy-go-lucky, good-time songs. Mm. It's all this album is. It's 14 tracks, total runtime of 38 minutes, so you can listen to it on a lunch break. <laughs> but it's just, like I said, it's power pop perfection. It's, it's hooks for days. It's choruses that you can learn on the first listen and sing along with. And then you listen to the verses, and it's just weird lyrics that are quirky and silly, and like, really, did he just say that? But it's a lot of fun. Um, The funniest part about it to me is for being a band that was on the radio, and for this album, it sounds like it's just one guitar player, one bass player, one drummer. Mm -hmm. The funny part about President of the United States of America is they had six strings between the entire band. Six strings? Yep. So instead of like a guitar having six strings, a bass having four, mm-hmm. they had six total. Wow. The bass player played on two strings and what? the guitar player played on four strings. What? Why? And it gets even weirder. Why? <laughs> but why? Because it was the 90s and they didn't want to do things the old way. They had to be Gen X and be like, we're going to do something different. <laughs> they gave them names. Uh, the, the front man, Chris Bailu, played on the bass guitar, which was a guitar body with two bass strings on it tuned to bass notes. Okay. 
And then the guitar player played on the git bass, which had four guitar strings on it, but tuned down to bass notes. <laughs> it's so, it's art school kid stuff. Like, <laughs> we're just going to, it's it's performance art. We're going to do something weird. But if you listen to this album, you wouldn't even know it because it's still just riffs and hooks and pop songs. Like, it's the same chord structures you used to, but doing it a little bit differently to make it their own. So, yeah, bass guitar, get bass, go look that up. It's a fun internet rabbit hole, and that's one of my favorite trivias about presidents of the United States of America. Did they do that the whole time? All their stuff? Um, or just that one album? Uh, for most of their stuff. Like, oh, wow. when they got into later albums. So lumping all that stuff is... Oh, wow. Six strings total. That's what? it. What? Yeah. <laughs> So all the strings you think you need, you don't. They did all that, those masterpieces <laughs> on minimal strings. When you do get into later albums like this one, they do have like overdubs and people they brought in to like help fill out the sound, mm-hmm. like traditional guitars and stuff and keyboards. But that was that was their setup, and that's what they continue with. I th- I think even the drummer only had like four pieces of a drum kit. I'm not. I can't confirm that. I don't know that off the top of my head, but I think that's about right. But they had two singles from this album that you might have heard on the radio. Uh, The first one being called Some Postman, and then the second one being called Love Everybody. And Love Everybody is the first track on this album, and if you just start it from the first first track and you don't like it, then I don't think we could be friends. But (laughs) Love Everybody is the lyric, love everybody, make them feel good about themselves. And that's it. Like, that's the chorus, and it just repeats like a mantra. And then the rest of the songs continue on that vibe, and it's just, it's perfect for a highway road trip, it's high energy and it's positive. And anytime I put this album on, I just let it go top to bottom and I feel better. Like it improves my days. So that's why I picked that album for my favorite album, Love Everybody by the President of the United States mm-hmm. of America. An eight slice album for Mikey. Yeah, yeah. That's a good pick, man. All right. My slice album won't surprise a lot of my friends, but might be surprising for a guy my age. And I'm also going to totally claim. The nerdy thing, like I knew about this before. Hipster cred, hipster, hipster points. cred, hipster cred. And but my friends can back me up on this because I was annoying them with this stuff way, way long time ago. I'll vouch for that. Yeah, so <laughs> it's true. So my album that I'm giving eight, eight slices to, and again, I want to take hipster cred on this because some people were like, "Well, yeah," but not at the time. It's the eponymous debut studio album of the English singer. Dua Lipa. Dua Lipa, yeah. Now, Dua Lipa is freaking huge right now. Like, so huge that she's coming to town and I really don't want to go to the concert because it's at a giant venue. It's an arena. Yeah, and I know it's doesn't isn't going to sound good <laughs> and it's going to be overdubbed. I'm sure she sings along with the overdub, yep. but there's, like, dancing. Ugh. You know, I mean... I get you. It's not how I found her. <laughs> But I'm glad for her success. I'm glad she's huge because, I mean, she deserves all of it because mm-hmm. Dua Lipa is legit. I like pop music. It keeps me from going crazy at work. I believe it. Um, you know, I can't listen to that 90s grunge stuff at work. I'll just get, you know, angry. Or, Start flipping tables you know? and telling off your boss. Yeah. Um, I found that, you know, music soothes the savage beast. So um, when I'm getting <laughs> savage and I put on like pop music it's keeps me calm and it's nice but the thing is is that i like musicianship and i like good singers who aren't just oh they can sing the national anthem really good like so i will like literally like try and find the you know where did this person come from are they manufactured are they legit 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know when, but it was like a long time ago. Mikey can back me up because Dua Lipa is huge now. And but that's that's over the past few years. But I mean, so yeah, she won the Best New Artist Grammy in 2019. Oh, well, that's relatively new. But this album came out in 2017, and I think that's when I was telling you guys about it. I remember videos like you would send me videos of her performing like for radio shows, or, yeah, and doing like in studio performances. But it was like an up and coming right indie artist almost exactly. Like she wasn't wearing the pop diva stuff that nope. she eventually got into. No, not at all. Yeah, so I'm claiming hipster cred on Dua because I mean. Really, I think it's that 2019 when she won Best New Artist. I think that's really when it was like, that's when the rocket started launching from the pad. There you go. That, if that makes sense. <laughs> um, this album came out in 2017, June 2017. And I think it was pretty soon after I found it. I got you. And the thing, the th- I love this album top to bottom. It has so many of her hits on it. I mean, new rules and things that people know because she got huge. Mm-hmm. But the the reason why I love her over a lot of other pop artists is because her voice is very, very unique. It has like a, something different in it. Um, it has breaks and like scratches almost in it. Like I've likened it to some of the breaks in her voice almost sound like a guitar when when you go down the neck of a guitar. It's that little bit of character. Little, yeah. whoosh, whoosh. You can tell that it's a performance and live and not just right. a studio trick. Right. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah, and it's and it's different than like the Mariah Carey like look I can sing super high like the high whistle voice thing <laughs> she that can she hit does, high C, yeah. which is great. But this is like literally her voice is like super can get super husky and will break and and it it comes across in so many of her songs. And but this album for me, her later album is maybe I would arguably bigger than this one is, though there's so many hits on this song. Uh, but I I'm mean, with you. So Future Nostalgia, o- I think, is was the crushing factor that yeah. elevated everything. I think Future Nostalgia did really blow her up. Or it levitated everything, sorry. Levitated. Ha ha! <laughs> there you go. That's one of the songs on there. But her self-titled album, which I actually, I loved it so much that I gave it to Mikey I had on, it on vinyl. vinyl. Yeah. yeah. On vinyl. And there's been a deluxe version and a complete version, but it's the, the original version is the one that I found. The original version is the one I bought for Mikey. And for me, the original version is the one that has all the great stuff on it. Yeah, you said New Rules. I think that was the single from it, right? From yeah. that album. Yeah. Was that the song that got you to get into the rest of the album? Or was no, the there another? Song that, the song that got me was Blow Your Mind. Okay. Also known as Mwah. <laughs> Is that in parentheses? Yeah. Oh, okay, of course. Blow Your Mind. Mwah. No, that was the... I, I don't remember how I came across it. I came across it somewhere. I looked up the video... Now, Dua Lipa came up through modeling. She was a she was a model. Okay, and she, she was. It's kind of funny because the a lot of these new artists were inspired by the success of this guy called Justin Bieber, of course, who put stuff on YouTube and was discovered that way. Mm-hmm. So they they were throwing stuff up on YouTube. So she was like a teenager throwing stuff up on YouTube, but she's beautiful. So she was modeling. <laughs> that was like what she was like kind of like working in was modeling and going to school, modeling cocktail waitress. She's um, her name's her name literally is Dua Lipa. She's she's from her family's from Kosovo. She's one of the refugees from all that stuff, though she was born in London. Gotcha. So she's a UK citizen, but her family's from Kosovo. And she was actually down in Kosovo doing modeling and all that kind of stuff when this music stuff started taking off for her, which is kind of funny. That is good. So 
Anyway, yeah, the 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 tracks top to bottom on this album, and Mikey's listened to it plenty because I gave him the vinyl. <laughs> and I you mean, make me put it on every time you come over. <laughs> yeah. Good. No, there's tons of hits on it. So the complete uh, version of the album has 25 songs on it. That's intense. And she co-wrote 21 of them. All good. Which for, again, for a pop singer is, you know, I know some of them are like, oh, they just have them do one thing. But I've seen videos of her in the studio, and she's very much collaborating gotcha in there so and this comes from someone who's doing their own stuff and put it on youtube so this album from we'll just keep it going it's kind of funny her pop style is is for this album i think like her later album is very pop it's like hard dance club best music bro pop (laughs) yep but this the the her first album the dua leap album is kind of some people call it like dark pop okay or even prog pop. There you go. Um, and also, it's it falls under this this heading that people call dance crying. <laughs> where, crying on the dance floor. That's yeah, Robin. Yeah, where you know where the songs are the the lyrics and stuff are a lot about heartbreak yep. and and things like that. But it's a it's to a pop tune. So yes. dance crying, as they say, and that's the thing. Her voice is really smoky and. And so is this this album is kind of dark and smoky too. It's very I don't know, but like modern pop lounge there in a go. lot of ways. I get it to me. And then, you know, and then she went on into this crazy huge pop album and she's huge now and God bless her. She deserves all of it. <laughs> um but for me, you know, I I'm totally being hipster. I liked her first album the best before she got super popular. I got in on the ground floor. I got in on the ground floor, but Again, my friends made a lot of fun of me for being... I was like, dude, you need to listen to this. This is so good. This girl is great. Now, Mikey, he has he has the very Dave Grohl look of, uh, you know, there's no guilty pleasures. No guilty pleasures. You know, all stuff's good. That's why I'm like, here, here's the album. And he's like, awesome, I'll listen to it. But some of the other people on this podcast are like, what are you listening to? Why are you listening to this? <laughs> then she got huge, and I'm like, see... So the so I'm t- I'm putting this out here on our podcast because we joke about it sometimes. It. But listen, future in the future, this needs to happen. I'm putting this out in the zeit in the not zeitgeist. I'm putting this out in the ether. Mikey and I would be awesome on America's Got Talent in front of the golden buzzer as guest judges. What if I go Simon Cowell though and just get really grumpy about everything? It doesn't no, matter. I don't know. It doesn't. Matter. I'm telling you. <laughs> I'm with I you. can find talent. Yes. Oh, absolutely. And Mikey can too. So hire us, Simon Cowell. And We're a bunch of goofy guys, but I'm sure that if you get us in front of your stylus and stuff, we can be awesome. And <laughs> no, because that's it. Like, and that's a good pick on Dua Lipa because like pop music is short for popular music, which means music that appeals to the most people at the current time. Which means you get a lot of pretty faces doing generic things, you know, that just every it it appeases people. Mm-hmm. Dua Lipa does have that uniqueness to it. And you spotted it, so props to that. I mean, yeah. it's, there is that little bit of extra sauce to it that is is awesome. Yeah. I think so much of it comes from her upbringing, too, because she's like, a, a, she's almost, it seems weird because you're like, well, she's like some European girl, but she in the UK, yep. she's like one of those migrant people, and they, they, they're almost like a, you know, they're minority there. It's, it's different. So it's world influence, and that, yeah. that affects you for sure. Yeah, it's, it, it's interesting, so... Dua Lipa's hippopotamus album. <laughs> self-titled, eponymous, yeah. yeah it's I like self, self-titles better. And she's bringing disco back, so thumbs up so. for me. Oh, yeah, yeah. You like that stuff? Oh, I yeah, do. I do, too. That's why it's called Future Nostalgia. It's, it's nostalgia yeah. for a new age. Best music, bro. Mikey, <laughs> Mikey likes that album better. 
Uh, uh, that would be my argument, I guess. <laughs> but uh, that's that's it's picking flavors of ice cream, like we yeah. talk about with Star Wars. So what? What's your like? I said I liked more. What's what's the song off? Since you own the album, what's the one off of there? Oh, for pres uh, for that one. For, yeah, for this one. Uh, no goodbyes would be my pick on that album. Started oh, the started the B side yes. on the B side, so the back half of the album. <laughs> but I like the hits off that album too. Like new rules that that song is undeniable. Yeah. So one. <laughs> you can only sing a little bit of it we gotta, we gotta, before we start paying licensing. But speaking of songs, we are down to our third category for our H Slice Extravaganza, wow. which is favorite song. Can't come from the band we picked, can't come off the album we just picked, so going a little rogue on this one, going a little older for me. Um, but this comes from childhood. This is a childhood favorite song. Growing up, I was a movie nerd way before I probably should have been a movie nerd, but me and my friend Mike loves the movie Highlander. Oh, yes. Nerdy classic, Christopher Lambert uh, is a sword-fighting immortal that yes. goes around the world killing other sword-fighting immortals. So good. So good. I love Highlander. That's the whole premise. Like it's There great. can be only one. It's great lore. I love it. And you have to take your sword and go cut off other people's heads mm. so you are the only one. Should have stopped with the first movie, though. Uh, we can get into that in a future <laughs> podcast, maybe. <laughs> But uh, Highlander was one of our favorite movies growing up. As an offshoot of that, we learned that Queen, one of the biggest bands in the world, did an entire album that was the soundtrack to this movie. It was called A Kind of Magic. It wasn't even called like the Highlander soundtrack or anything. It was just a Queen album that happened to they made coincide with the movie. So Queen put out A Kind of Magic, and on that album is a song called Princes of the Universe. Here we are, we're the princes of the yes. universe, where we belong. No, not, <laughs> I won't quote the entire lyrics. But that is essentially, that song is essentially the entire summation of the whole Highlander mythology and the lore. And I love this song because, one, it's Queen. So you get the, mm -hmm. it's a perfect combination between like We Will Rock You Queen and Bohemian Rhapsody Queen. So you get the four-part harmonies, but you also get the massive heavy drums and almost like, it's it's almost heavy metal as far as the as the guitars go. Would you say Freddie Mercury best rock singer ever? Oh, he definitely gets. Uh, he's in top, the top discussion. Five, yeah, top five, absolutely. easy, right? Yeah, you have to find some reason to disqualify yeah. him. I mean, the dude like he always got picked on for having funky teeth. Like mm -hmm. that's was one of their comments. But he re he never went into surgery because he wanted to preserve his like mm -hmm. vocal cavity because of his singing mm -hmm. voice. So good. And he's on full display here. Like, yep. you get the operatics, you get the, like I said, the harmonies. And then also, if you go into it, he has so many little ad libs. It's like Michael Jackson almost, but there's so many little ad libs in between the verses and the choruses. Mm. Like, just him saying, yeah, or there's ooh ooh yeah, ooh. Yeah. But it has that, li it has that live aid thing kind of, you know, because. You know, the live aids they're one of their most famous performances ever. And because, his fist, yeah, yeah, and because he's live, he's throwing little extras in there. So yeah. That's it. And then uh you got Brian May on guitar doing one of the coolest, heaviest metal solos I've ever heard mm. in a Queen song. But then you got Freddie Mercury saying two lines that I'll like it's just imprinted in my brain. Mm. But he says, like right when the solo starts, he goes, Yeah, watch this man fly. <laughs> and then the solo goes on and then towards like halfway through Freddie Mercury's just like, bring out the girls. <laughs> and it's like, it fits. It's so <laughs> bring weird. Bring out the girls. Yeah. And he's gay. And That's hilarious. <laughs> but he knows, that, 
He knows that his guitarist is wailing on the I guitar, know, and he's like, just bring on the girls. Let's uh, go. I, oh, man. I love that. You know I love that kind of stuff. Because yep. like in our own little band, I want you guys always to call it out when I'm about to go on the harmonica like a crazy person. That's it. It's hyping your bandmates up, yeah. and that's actually in the song. And it's epic. It's theatric. It's operatic. It's heavy. It's metal. Uh, there's so many things into it. But as I was speaking about nostalgia, not only did me and my friend Mike love Highlander the movie, we would put this album on and like reenact the song and sing along and have sword fights to this song. <laughs> and, and if you go watch the mu- if you go watch the music video for this song, you can see Freddie Mercury have sword fights with Christopher Lambert from the movie. What was actually in the music video? So oh. it's like all canon. But man, we would we would just dance around the room to this song. And so every time I hear this song, it's just immediately hype. Like. I get so much energy. I start driving my car faster, or I start <laughs> running faster, or lifting weights faster. <laughs> it's super cheesy. It is a song about the Highlander, but uh, I, you put this on, I I am there singing along with you. Man, I, Queen was doing a lot of movie stuff because they did the Flash song too. Yep, absolutely, Flash Gordon. Flash Gordon, yeah. But they made a whole album just to suit this movie, like not yeah, just one song on the soundtrack. Like they said, oh, we love the Highlander. Let's run with this theme. You know what? Uh, the, here's a tangent, but we're on a podcast, so we like to go and see. Queen was one of those bands that, like, they're huge, and then, like, what happened? And then they all of a sudden, like, now they're, like, had this resurgence. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, they were always, everyone was, like, always, yeah, Queen. But I, I'm willing to say that in the late 80s through, like, the, you know, after he passed and stuff, and then, like, the 90s and even the 2000s, it was kind of like, it was kind of like, oh yeah, that was a band from back then. Yeah, classic but, rock or whatever. But then I'd say of as late, uh, you know, maybe the past ten years or something. It really seems like I know there was a movie, but that can't just be it. I mean, it really seems like all of a sudden, like they've kind of catapulted into the pantheon of stars of rock and roll, don't you think? Of being icons, and yeah, I don't think this explains it totally. But there is, you can go find stories about this, uh, and I am biased because I'm a vinyl nerd, but. Uh, vinyl record sales have surpassed CDs like the last couple years for the first time in forever. Mm-hmm. Like there's a resurgence. But with that comes like the kids that are getting into vinyl, like mm-hmm. the young kids mm-hmm. have to go back and like, okay, what's a classic vinyl to buy? And Queen is in that category because uh, they were putting it out at the interesting. time. Interesting. And I, it, I don't know how big of a factor that is, but I think that might be a factor. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. It's interesting. I just kind of thought of that because, you know, I think that if, you know, you said... A queen in the 90s, people would be like, mm. you know what I mean? Because you said the word that's cheesy. Yes. But I don't, to me now, queen nowadays isn't cheesy. People love queen. There you go. So I, think, anyway. I think you could have a similar conversation about Elton John. Like, so, is it yeah. too is it too over the top or is it just well, right? And now Elton John and Dua Lipa joined forces together and made a massive hit. Oh, if Freddie Mercury were still alive, RIP, I'm sure he'd be on a Dua Lipa oh, song. Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, wow. Oh, it'd anyway. be too powerful. I don't think they could release it. Yeah. <laughs> Break the world in half. Um, so anyway, so speaking of cheesy, mine is super cheesy. Speaking it. of childhood, mine is totally from childhood. Yes. But this is a song, and speaking of a song, like you said, a song that gives you power, this song gets me through things. This is a touchstone song when, like, stuff's getting tough. It just comes into the back of my head. There you go. And I start saying, ain't nothing going to break my stride. Nobody going to slow me down. Oh, no. I got to keep on moving. (laughs) So the song is 1983's 
Break My Stride yes. by Matthew Wilder. Who, what, yes, total one-hit wonder. I suggest if you don't know what I'm talking about, go hit pause. Go to your favorite music listening to. There you go. Put in Break My Stride, Matthew Wilder. Listen to it. Come back to me. That's not a name that I have in my brain. I know the song you're talking about, but Matthew Wilder, like, I, I couldn't have pulled that out. Yeah, so this song is a very, it's very 1983. What were the bands you were likening it to? Dexy's Midnight Riders, yeah. uh, Men Without Hats. Men Without Hats, very much so. It had, has a kind of reggae bop to it. There you go. Like, I mean, the police were doing that kind of thing, it could, too. It could almost be a police song, for sure. Yeah, so it's gumball you know, it's very like, you know, you know, very, and it's, you know, it's very like peppy and has the synths and all these kind of stuff in it. But the song is like literally it's just the lyrics are basically nonsensical. I, it doesn't matter what they're saying in between. The chorus is what gets you. The chorus has the message of ain't nothing going to break in my stride. Ain't nothing going to hold me down. Oh, no, I got to keep on moving, you know, and it's just like. <laughs> That's the thing. Nothing's going to break my stride. That's it. Nobody's going to hold me down. Such a great... Oh, that's positivity. going to keep on moving. It's great. And like I said, you can read. I kind of know what the lyrics in between are, but they don't really have anything to do with anything. He's telling stories about something happened. You but know? That, that first verse, he's like talking about laundry and going to China. Yeah. Like that's on brand for what was going on in the eighties. Could you go back to like any of these big hits in the eighties and there are weird verses and everybody's just like, Okay, join us yeah. on the chorus. Yeah, it's like it's like uh it's like Africa. That's it. You know <laughs> I bless the rains, I know that part, but yeah. what does he sing about in the verses? Yeah, there's all kinds of it's totally yeah, it's very this song is very eighty three. Yes. I see why it was a hit. He didn't really have any other hits. It's got a funny story behind it because Matthew Wilder was trying to get his career going. So he was working with Clive Davis. Oh, wow. Okay. Who's like really well known. And they were trying to, you know, this is part of, it's the 80s. There's part of, they were trying to manufacture something with this guy. Yep. And he was getting frustrated with it. Okay. And nothing was working. So he said he wanted to do this song. And Clive Davis was like, that's not going to work, kid, with yeah. his big chop and his big cigar behind the desk or whatever. You'll never make it with this song. So on his own dime, Matthew Wilder decided to, I'm going to record this. Oh, that's cool. So it was like super early in the morning, apparently, because that's when you can afford to record, right? Oh, yeah, the odd studio hours. Right, it was an odd studio hour. So he recorded on his own dime. And, you know, again, he was like, this is what I did. And, you know, they're like, ah, it's never going to work, kid. And then he got a hit with it. But I think because of that whole experience, and then he got hit with it. And it's kind of funny because the whole, all these lyrics, the break in my stride was a message to Clive Davis. That makes sense. You're not going to break my stride. You're not going to hold me down. And then he got hit with the song. So it was a defiant song recorded on his own on I'm Early in the Morning, and he got a hit with it. It was prophetic and defiant. Um, That's awesome. But I guess because of that, he kind of soured to trying to even do the music career. So he kind of went more behind the scenes. Okay. But Matthew Wilder's story wasn't over. because He just said he was a one-hit wonder. He was, but he went behind the scenes, and he became a producer, and he worked with such acts as No Doubt on the album Tragic Kingdom. Oh, that was a contender for one of my albums. Christina Aguilera, Kelly Clarkson. Miley Cyrus on her Hannah Montana album. Those are big names. Yeah. And then he wrote all the lyrics for a little movie called Mulan. Uh, uh-oh. Let's uh, get down to business. Yes. And <laughs> he was the singing voice of Ling. Oh, that's what I was just singing. Yes. That's in amazing. Mulan. So, yeah, that's he had this. 
it's kind of funny that you're sitting there watching Mulan as a kid or whatever, and mm-hmm. the guy singing as Ling and who wrote all the lyrics and helped compose the music was the guy who made this funny little 1983 song that had nine-year-old Kevin bopping around <laughs> New Hampshire going like, Hey, not going to pick him up. So, so was this like on the radio in the back of the car type song or did you like, was it playing in your, like your parents playing it? I do not know where this came from. Oh, okay. But I'm telling you, when we were, when I was doing research for this, I found him performing it. It was on YouTube mm-hmm. and it was like a live performance, even though it was not live, live. Yeah. But there was dancers and that looked like they might have been the solid gold dancers. Oh, <laughs> solid gold. Awesome. And I don't know if anyone's old enough to know there's this show called Solid Gold that had dancers and music acts on it. There you go. And the solid gold dancers were famous. Yep. And that's a show that I know that my mom used to watch. I remember watching Solid Gold all the time. There you go. Um, I'm sure that I was so young that I don't know if it was because of those girl dancers on there, but maybe there was something <laughs> happening there. I don't know, but I'd watch it. And I couldn't find the whoever posted that on YouTube didn't say where it was from. Gotcha. They just say, Matthew Wallen, break my stride. <laughs> but it looks like Solid Gold. So maybe there you go. that's where I found it because I really wasn't listening to the radio until I started learning to drive, which was way later. Yep. But I know it's always been in my head forever. Like, I don't know. It's just been there. <laughs> it's one of those things where it's just like, it's just there. I couldn't tell you where I first heard it, but it's always been there. And anytime, all through school, yep. anytime anything got tough, ain't nothing going to break my stride. That's such a great message. It's like a little theme song. And nowadays, it'll probably come up like in a grocery store and just make you get yeah. down the aisles faster. Be like, yeah, yeah, we're grocery shopping. Yeah, I don't even know. It's weird. Like the only time I ever hear it is when I need to hear it. You know, that's a sign. It'll pop up in my head, <laughs> and then I go and find it and play it, and then I realize nothing's gonna break my stride. There you go. You can always keep on moving. I'll have to add it to a playlist if I ever, ever need to get you out of a bad mood. Be like, I know yeah. where we're starting off with. <laughs> we're gonna break this stride. Yeah. Oh man. Wow. Nothing going to break my stride. (laughs) So that's our Each Slice of Travaganza music edition. We want you guys to let us know what your Eight Slice album, band, and song are. Please do. We're always looking for new music, and especially if it's your favorite and it means something to you, oh, that's that's the best. So send it our way. We'll totally listen to it. So don't break your stride (laughs) and go straight to the social medias. At Assuming Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, mostly Instagram because it has pictures. We also want to let you guys know if you guys like this podcast, even if you don't like this podcast, thanks for listening to it. But go over to where you listen to it and see if there's a rating thing and give it all the thumbs or all the stars you can. and All the slices. And all the slices. Say something nice on there. It really helps with the algorithms and stuff when people are interacting with those ratings and mm-hmm. helps us out a lot so we really appreciate that if you want to send us something longer if you want a, a rant billy corgan's weird and then i've never liked that bald guy <laughs> how can you make that your favorite band live who the heck are they uh you know do a leap what are you doing over here <laughs> uh send it to us in a gmail assuming positions at gmail.com dot com mikey every week i say mikey how would you like them to format the gmail uh this is easy write me a song I want an audio oh, file on the email. Yeah. Just one verse, one chorus. One verse. But you know, if you if you feel inspired, yes, put it to some music. My favorite album is from <laughs> Van Halen. I don't know. You guys are breaking my stride. <laughs> you should have picked this song. Yes, sir. <laughs> you should have picked Van Halen. I don't know why I'm stuck on Van Halen right now. 
Um, but anyway, <laughs> we want to thank you guys so much for listening. We also want to thank that guy, Brad, for doing our announcing, not Scott Productions for our equipment, Jazza for our, our music. And we hope you guys have a musically good week listening to stuff that you love. Go find your favorite things and listen to them. Yeah, kick out the jams. Kick out the jams. Kick it up. And the jams are jamming. <laughs>